Hello, my name is Michael Garrick, and this is Popping Culture Movie Reviews. My guest today is comedian Michael Clayson, very funny comedian. If he's in your city, please check him out. This guy's hilarious. I uh, promise you, he'll keep you laughing. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man, for the movie review. Thank you, absolutely, man. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I love the background, man, The Shining. That's, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, I do it for my work meetings, too, and there's a lot of questions. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, snap. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the movie we'll be reviewing is The Suicide Squad 2021. Um, before we get into it, uh, guys, we'll try our best not to spoil anything for you guys. But before we jump into the uh, review, uh, do you believe they should watch it? A hundred percent. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it might be my favorite DCU movie so far. Uh, Wonder Woman was probably my favorite prior to that, if we're not counting Joker, which I think Joker was well done, a little derivative, but it was good. Um, the only problem I had with Wonder Woman is I thought the third act got a little sloppy. Uh, the villain, like with the villain and things like that. I felt Suicide Squad knew what it wanted to be. James Gunn knew what his objective was with the movie and what the movie he wanted to make. And not only did you get it, but I had a blast the entire time. Yeah. It's, the sad part for me is, and it's still a great film, but after I watched The Joker and then one of my friends, uh, comedian Ben Stacy, shout out to him. He told me to watch Taxi Driver and yeah. Taxi Driver is just better. Like I just saw it and I was like, this is a better film. So watch Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, which is also a Scorsese movie. And also, if you're a comedian, just watch King of Comedy because just the the dark sense of humor King of Comedy has, I've never felt more uncomfortable in a movie than in King of Comedy while really? laughing at the same time. But if you watch The Joker, it literally feels like they just mashed up Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Okay. Um, in fact, Robert De Niro plays essentially the Joker character in that movie and Jerry Lewis essentially plays the Robert De Niro character in the Joker movie, which I'm sure was not accidental that they cast him in that role. Okay. Cause after watching taxi driver, I was just like, Oh, so they could make this movie in 2018. They would just have to cut out all the racism. Um, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of racism. Yeah. They made um, the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny too. Scorsese is one of my favorite directors, but he plays the guy in the back of the car who says he wants to kill his wife. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't supposed to, it was supposed to be a guy that just didn't show up for the movie. And then, so he just filled in for the role. I love Scorsese, but there is a part of me. I'm like, you are really comfortable saying all these racism lines. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I love like, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino. I love them, but it's just like, ah, oh, man, all right, all of them, all the N-words. All, right. <laughs> yeah. all the N-words, all right, buddy. Um, sorry, guys, uh, we'll get back to the Suicide Squad. Um, this movie, in my opinion, is just James Gunn having fun and making a film that is completely him. Um, as you saw this movie, I'm uh, do you feel like it's too much like Guardians of the Galaxy or do you think he threw in just the right amount of elements to make so, it not like Guardians, but close enough? The short answer is yes. But to dive into it, um, James Gunn started out with uh, a studio called Troma Pictures. And Troma is kind of famous for making these really crazy low budget like sci-fi movies like Toxic Avenger and Class of Newcomb High that are very, very irreverent, have very kind of like overly violent 
overly absurd sense of humor. I essentially felt this is the first big budget trauma movie we've had where it's just a wacky movie. But I also felt like it was almost like a film version of like the Dirty Dozen or Kelly's Heroes or one of those like classic like 60s or 70s like men on a mission war movies. Um, so I felt while you can certainly see the DNA of Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it's a very different thing. Um, ironically, my problem with the original Suicide Squad is I felt like it definitely was trying to coast off the success of Guardians of the Galaxy of like, these are kind of the bad guys trying to trying to make good. And the problem I had with the original Suicide Squad, among many problems I had with the original Suicide Squad was the Suicide Squad comic, the characters were always kind of lame, but you love them anyway. They have to be very wacky and it almost has to be, these are the last people you expect to be the ones to save the day. And I felt more than any you know, superhero movie I've seen so far, they definitely embraced like the zaniness of it. You know, character like Polka Dot Man, you would not see in another superhero movie and they not only have him in this, but they make him like endearing. And they make him a character that actually has like depth and like pathos to it. Yes, uh, I agree completely. Um, like I said, guys, no spoilers. Um, of course, it's just the people that, you know, we already know. But how good is it just to watch a superhero movie and not have plot armor? No. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I'll tell you something else that doesn't get enough credit. Um, there's like three pro wrestlers now that have been in like big budget sci-fi action movies. And they, you know, The Rock, Batista, John Cena. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm a huge wrestling fan outside of this. And I said, it makes sense that these wrestlers are doing so well in genre films because genre films typically have silly ideas that you have to treat earnestly to make them work. And anybody who's worked for Vince McMahon has had to be part of some bullshit stories and had to sell them with a straight face. I mean, one of my favorite wrestlers, Eddie Guerrero, had a ladder match with another wrestler for the custody of a child. They had the custody papers hanging over the, above the ladder. So, like, if you're, if you're having to sell that shit seriously, they're, uh, you know... A giant starfish is not going to fuck with you. Like, it's not going to make you feel like, I can't buy into this. So it's not surprising to me that you have somebody like a John Cena who is great in this movie. Like, and he gets the role, he gets the humor, he gets the comedy. And then, of course, pretty much every character is kind of really over the top, kind of silly, except for Idris Elba, who just plays an amazing straight man. But even he has, like, hilarious moments. Um but they just round out this cast of just these very odd character actors that are a lot of fun. Nice, nice. Um, the, the go back to what you said about Polka Dot Man and many of the other villains of the movie. Um, yeah. They, this was some deep cuts. Like I knew Pokemon, yeah. <laughs> Polka Dot Man was, but a few of the other guys, I really had to like Google and like find like, some of them only have two issues. Or maybe three. Yeah. So I thought that was like very good of James Gunn to be like, nah, just show me the guys that you you will never will never see again. Like, bring them out. Yeah, and because of that, the reverence for the source material isn't quite as heavy because I don't think that movies have to follow the original source material a hundred percent. But you wanted to be faithful. But if you get kind of these C grade characters, you can kind of 
do whatever you want with him to a certain degree in the audience and for the most part except for like the three polka dot fans that are like he didn't do that in the comic like you know are going to be a little bit more willing to have you kind of use your creative voice through it which i think is one of the smart things um you know and there's been some examples of that i mean aquaman doesn't really look or sound or act like anything like aquaman does in the comic um but it, you know, it worked for what it was, I guess. Like um, it was supposed to be kind of a silly, over the top kind of Fast and Furious in the Water movie. And I guess that it achieved that goal. But Suicide Squad, I think nailed it so much because it was, it delivered on the promise of like, we're really gonna go all in on this. Um, you know, and also didn't lose the heart. Like it's certainly an over the top gory movie. It certainly has like, but, but I mean, like, there's a scene. I'm not going to give it away, but there's a scene with scene with Killer Shark. I mean, King Shark, where he's doing something kind of childlike, um, like in an aquarium, and like it, it should not fit in an R movie. But I found it like strangely like endearing, yes. and kind of added something to the, to the character. You spoke about this movie being uh, gory. This, yeah. Has- <laughs> I, I mean, like, it's gory. Like, it, it this caught me, like, off guard completely. Like, just the first 10 minutes, I was just like, okay, like, they're going there. Like, they're, they're not pulling back. Like, these, these kills are kills. Well, in, in regards to the first 10 minutes, um, it's going to be hard to top the first 10 minutes for me for the rest of the year. And, you know, the year's still young in a lot of ways, but the movie certainly tries to set you up that you're watching one sort of film, and then completely just backhands you as hard as it can and lets you know, no, this is a completely different film than what you're accustomed to. Um, and in a cool way, uh, somebody asked me if they hadn't seen the original Suicide Squad, would they be fine? My girlfriend actually had not watched the original Suicide Squad and she totally got it. And anybody that's worried about that, the movie establishes, you know, and I won't go how into, but they established this is a different movie immediately and they do it very well. Oh, they're quick with it too. They're like, blah, 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 blah. Let's get to the action. Like, yeah. yeah. It's a very straight <laughs> shot the way they did it. Um, be the, the, the audio, um, background noises. Uh, we'll get into the soundtrack later, but just the way they use um, theme music and the background music. Most of these scenes, um, you're big into horror. I'm big into horror. Would yeah. you agree that most of these scenes, if they wouldn't like having light music in the background, if they just used a bunch of horror music, some of these scenes could be like very oh, scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it goes all in in terms of the gore, and you know, music is such a big contributor to films anyway. Well, it's like I've said multiple times: the most important thing person to Star Wars was John Williams. Like, if you take away the music from Star Wars, like, it feels like kind of just a kind of goofy space movie. But that gave it gravitas. It gave it, like, emotion. It gave it weight. You know, when you're looking at Luke looking at the two moons and they're playing that music, like, you actually feel like how you did in college. Like, where you're like, what's ahead of me in my life? What What's the next step of my life? Like, and for music to be able to evoke that is remarkable. And they definitely do through the soundtrack try to let you know, hey, this is all in good fun. I know this is fucking insane, but this is why we're here, is to see something that we're not really accustomed to seeing. You're right about that Star Wars thing, because it does turn into space balls without that soundtrack. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I'm not downing Star Wars is one of my favorite films, but it's just, you know, there's very, very simple elements to a film that can make a difference. I mean, heck, you're talking about Taxi Driver. That score adds so much of the uh, tone to it. You know, it's got kind of that smoky, jazzy score and it kind of lures you into it. And if you didn't have that, I mean, if they played like some ominous conjuring music, you could probably put that over Taxi Driver and have a completely different tone. Exactly, exactly. Um, John Cena. Uh, we talked about Idris Elba, which Idris Elba is like, he's already a great actor. You know what he's in a movie, you know what he brings to the table. But it, but my, John Cena, um, I haven't seen a lot of movies with him, but I have to admit, the guy's a good actor. Like, I didn't... Like, he's he, a great actor. He, to me, the quality, especially for like a genre film, like for sci-fi fantasy or something like that, is, and specifically for comedy, the biggest thing I look for is a lack of vanity. John Cena has no vanity when he takes on a role. Like, you never feel like John Cena's worried that he might look goofy. He's worried that he might look odd here. He's worried how he might come across. He commits to the role 100%. I mean, you know, it's interesting. John Cena's an interesting figure in wrestling because he's, he's a babyface or a good guy, as they call him in wrestling. But he gets booed by half the crowd. Uh, but the reason he's still so interesting is even the crowd that boos him kind of are captivated to watch him. Like he's just a captivating pe person to watch and he never changes his character based on the reaction. He's literally just that guy whenever he gets into the role. And he commits that in film. And I'm liking that he's playing kind of like these villain roles too, because he's always been like the perpetual good guy. He essentially plays like a villain in Fast 9. Um, which, by the way, quick review, I did not like that movie. And I actually liked the Fast and Furious movies, but it was not good. But I liked him in it. And I loved him in this movie. Um, I thought he was such an interesting kind of take on kind of like a villain trying to make good character. Um, the fact that he's committing to wearing that ridiculous outfit for all the promo press, too, I love him for. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, one last keynote, what you said about John Cena and wrestling. I have a friend that hates John Cena, like with a passion. <laughs> and yeah. it's weird because I thought she hated him for wrestling. Apparently back in 2005, her dad was a big John Cena fan. And she said she had to listen to his rap album that whole year. <laughs> and she uh, was if, like, I if I had to listen to that entire year, I'd get it. <laughs> yeah. She was like, she was like, Mike, the whole time I just had to tell my dad, like, this is not good. Look, I don't care. Like, this is not good. But uh, yeah, this guy blew he truly blew me away in this film. I have not seen Fast Nine yet. I definitely need to check it out. I just I uh, I just uh didn't get a chance. But um it's good to know that he's making back-to-back -back hits. Uh, I mean, when it comes to movies. Yeah, I mean he's really taking Fast the John Cena make, approach. Fast Nine is making money, so like he's gonna be fine, like yeah. whether or not I like it. Like um, yeah. Yeah. But this Not movie, John I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But he's going to be fine. And like this movie is fantastic. And I think they're already making a Peacemaker TV show for HBO Max. So like, you know, he's already got this character is going to have some staying power. Um, like I and I don't know how they're going to do it, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how they approach that. Yeah, as a pe uh, peacemaker, he, he may, uh, you know, may not survive. They may bring him back as a ghost. We, you know, we don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it's well that's one of the other things i like about this movie and without like spoiling or anything they uh this film has real stakes like you know you aren't guaranteed that everybody's going to be completely safe. I mean, one of the things that James Gunn said is he wanted an R rating because he wanted it to feel like a war movie. He said, war movies are kind of brutal. War movies, you know, not everybody's coming home. Um, and war movies, there's going to be, you know, consequences to it. Now, they go about that. That sounds like Saving Private Ryan. They go about it in the most wacky way possible. It sounds like the worst stick- recruiter ever. Hey, man, not everybody comes back home. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign, yeah, these, yeah. sign these papers. So it, it's hilarious because uh, have you ever read uh, Richard the Third by William Shakespeare? Yes. So what I love about Richard the Third is when you read Henry the Fifth, they have that St. Crispin's Day speech, and it's like the most motivating thing ever. It's like even if we die on the field, we'll die as brothers, and like we're in here. And the Richard the Third speech is like, you know, we're probably not going to w- make it, and uh, I'd love to say I'll see you in heaven, but we're all terrible people, so we're probably going to go into hell. So, like, let's go ahead and do it, and let's, you know. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's so fucking funny, because it is, like, the most gallows. Richard III is hilarious in, like, the darkest way possible. Um, and Suicide Squad was kind of built on that idea in the comic, was that they are getting people that you're not supposed to give a shit about, to go and fight a war that they're going to die in. And you end up caring about the characters. You end up actually caring about them. Uh, also, I got to tell you right now, uh, please, Viola, please. Davis, Viola Davis is a hardcore bitch in this movie, and I love it. Like, because they had her play, they had her play the character, like, clearly had, like, you never knew if she was kind of on the good or bad side. They had her be kind of emotionally ambiguous. But in this, she is fucking ruthless. And I loved it. Like, and I think what I love more than anything else is not only just with like the R rating and the violence and stuff, but James Gunn said, like, if we're going to have the characters go this direction, let's have them go it. Let's have them really go in that direction and be that person. And it makes them come to life in a way that like David Ayers was not able to do quite as well. It might have been the limitations for the rating too. But she blew me away in this movie. All her scenes you remember. I put it like that. She definitely yeah. left a memorable performance. Uh, and she's funny. She's funny. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, one uh, deep cut. You are in comic books, I believe. You. I remember you told yeah. me you were in comic books. Uh, compared to the comic book to the movie, how well are the costumes? I'd say the costumes, you know, similar to how they did Harley Quinn, they certainly take their own creative liberties but I feel they're certainly in the vein of what you would see in the comic. Um, As you said before, some of these characters only had two or three appearances. So some of them might be vastly different from what I've seen in the comic, but like, I remember Polka Dot Man and he certainly had a a costume that was reminiscent of the comic. Um, Harley, I would say the color scheme is even closer to what she is in the comic this time. Um, You know, uh, Bloodsport, is cl- pretty close to the comic peacemaker is that much of a captain america douche <laughs> like um you know they uh they definitely it felt like somebody that loved the source material and got what made the source material entertaining like suicide squad i think the thing that kind of made me feel insulted by the first movie is it felt like they watched guardians of the galaxy and they were like oh we need our bad guys that turn good movie and I felt like that was all that they thought about it. 
is they're like, let's just get a bunch of characters. Let's get like, you know, Diablo, we need a fire guy. Like they, and all their powers in the original one too kind of seem like, they didn't seem weird enough. Like Suicide Squad literally was like, listen, we got the bare minimum of what you can call a superhero <laughs> to fulfill this mission. And we're pretty much expecting all of them to die because quite frankly, they suck. And then they like continue like succeeding. I mean, the movie has a lot in common with Tropic Thunder and that like, it's a bunch of people, it's the last people that should have any business saving the day that end up becoming heroes. Um, and I felt this movie captured a lot more because if you watch the original Suicide Squad, yeah, if a dude's shooting fire, he probably should be able to kick a considerable amount of ass. That's not surprising in the movie. Like, and when they tried to go like, oh, you know, you'll find, you'll find your, you know, your energy to come back. It's like, well, this dude has an amazing power. If you're a dude who shoots polka dots, to make me believe that you actually can be a formidable opponent against the enemy, that's a sell job. That takes some work. Um, and they did it amazingly. I compared these, uh, I'm, I'm a nerd. I don't know if you are. Yeah. I compared the, the first Suicide Squad and this Suicide Squad to like uh, the first one being like a horrible game of D&D. And this one being <laughs> like a way better game of D&D, but you're still mad because the guy that's doing it is like killing everybody else. It's just like, come on, bro. <laughs> I remember uh, going to a D&D game um, and the dungeon master just didn't like this guy. <laughs> so he had been building the same character for six years. So within 15 minutes, he just kills the guy off. Yeah. Like shoots him with a fireball or something. And I was like, and see, I started laughing and like everybody got mad at me, but I'm like, literally, if you can have a power trip like that as a dungeon master, that's incredible. And I love D&D. I've had great dungeon masters, but you, you can have a, power hungry one that could just be garbage too yeah I've, I've i've definitely ran into those and each time it's just been like oh oh i mean never to me but like oh no i guess those guys do have beef um to get to the soundtrack james gunn i don't know if it's james <sighs> yeah. gunn his yeah. friends his family whoever's in his ear that's like yo you need to check this out the, he, he he never lacks on soundtracks like this is an amazing soundtrack i listened to it earlier today well, and I'll tell you if you agree with me on this. Of course, Guardians of the Galaxy, one of its strengths is a soundtrack. You know, people still play their soundtrack all the time. Would you agree that even though both soundtracks are amazing, completely different tone for both? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this one had a lot of like kind of, in, you know, alternative rock classics like the Pixies like have one great scene where they're like all lined up and the Pixies are playing. And like, I wouldn't expect the Pixies to be like in a major superhero movie. I love the fact that it is. Um, but you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy leaned on a lot of like seventies classics and things like that. Amazing soundtrack, but this took a completely different tone. And I like that Gunn, Gunn kind of has a knack for music in a similar way that like Tarantino does in terms of it's an actual character in the film in a way that not a lot of directors are able to do. Cause you've seen movies where you can tell they just put a pop song in cause they're like, oh, just put something to liven it up. But each time they use a song in a movie, you're like, this fits the tone. This fits what they're trying to do. And like, it's a part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, like I say, I hate that guys that we had to keep going back to the first movie, but Queen made no sense to be there. Like they did Queen just to sell the movie for commercials. Like, yeah. It, it really, it could have been any pop hit. Unlike this movie, each scene, it just feels like that song 
works into the scene some way. Yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you what, like one of the things I've been trumpeting lately is I'm starting to feel like the people we should have directing superhero movies are the people that if you look at their body of work seem like they have no business directing a superhero movie. <laughs> like, like Taika Waititi did amazing with Thor Ragnarok. Like completely re, you know, revitalized the character, completely re-envisioned it. When you look at Taika Waititi's other movies, you're not like, oh, we should give that guy $200 million to make a superhero movie. But he made one of the better ones. He made a really good one. Uh, James Gunn. James, I mean, Slither is a weird-ass fucking movie. Super is a weird-ass movie. Tromeo and Juliet is a weird-ass movie. And then they were like, no, let's give that guy an ungodly amount of money. And he made an amazing movie. Um, and I think when you have these just endlessly creative directors taking a chance, you know, sometimes it might not work out, but thus far, I've been very impressed. Uh, I got got another one for you, man. Christopher Nolan. Yes. Yes. Nolan, Nolan. I mean, the biggest movie he had done prior to dark Knight was Memento and Memento is an amazing movie, but you know, prior to that, I mean, the last Batman movie we had, we had bat nipples. And so like, you had no idea what to expect. Um, but you're like, I guess, I guess I'll go see what he's going to do. And he completely re-envisioned the character. Yeah. Uh, did you like the fact that they gave Amanda Wilder's uh, uh, employees a little more uh, exposure in this film? I love the scene. Um, and this should not be a much of a spoiler, but as you know, we've mentioned, the characters are treated as expendable. There's a scene where the office employees are betting on who's going who's gonna to bite it. And that immediately gives them so much personality. And I, I love the fact that you, I mean, they could do a TV show on just the people kind of working <laughs> a nine to five in Amanda Waller's office. And it would like probably be compelling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually reminded me of, have you ever seen Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. The two office employees that were like betting, <laughs> like it was so like reminiscent of that. And they, they were just really good characters. James Gunn's really good at even like small characters. I mean, there's characters that are only a movie for five or six minutes that I thought were like interesting for the five or six minutes they were in the movie. Um, and just he, one of my favorite jokes is there's a character that gets killed um, later in the movie, but they do this humorous exchange. <laughs> where they they call out how expendable and how trivial his presence in the movie was. Um, and to play that joke out for that long and to commit to the bit that long, like the balls to do that. Like I, I literally wanted to like get on my knees and like hail James Gunn. Cause I'm like, what is this motherfucker gonna do with this? And then it totally paid off. And I was like, I love you. I love you. It, it's like when you watch like Community and they would have jokes that would run over like 14 or 15 episodes and then it would pay off. Like the commitment to do that is amazing. Yeah. And then to have it like to sell it so well, like, cause it's, cause some, you know, you, we're both comedians. You can, yeah. you can, you can tell a story, make it like a minute and a half, but if that punchline isn't strong, you just wasted a minute and a half. I had a uh, friend of mine when I first started comedy in Charleston. Uh, we did a show at Daniel on Grill. He had like a three-minute story um, that was about a friend of his, his roommate coming out to him. 
And he, you know, it was a very sweet story, actually. It was funny, but it was very sweet. Um, but in order for the story to work, you had to know at the beginning of the story that his friend was gay. Um, he goes into this three minute story. He's very high the night he did this joke. And then when he gets to the story, he realizes he didn't give you the crucial piece of information at the beginning of the three minute story. And then it just crumbled around him as he was doing it. And the reason it was hilarious is it, I'm not laughing at his expense. We've all had those moments where we realize we left out a key detail. And it's one of those situations that we're like fraternity brothers watching somebody new getting hazed. It's like, oh, thank God this isn't me now, but I know my time's up pretty soon. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie, man. The first time I had a friend laugh at me bomb, I was upset. And then about a month later, I saw one of my friends bomb. And I got it instantly because it was like stuff that he had said they killed before. So when I saw it, I was just like, oh, this is hilarious. Like, this is the best. Like, it's like you feel like you're on the ride with him. Just like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I don't know how you got to like just just park the plane. You're not going to take off. I don't have a kid, so I don't know how I don't know the joy of like when you have like a child for the first time, because everybody says it's like the greatest day of their life. I love my girlfriend, but we're not married yet. Right now, the greatest joy in my life is when I watch a friend of mine who I know undoubtedly is funny, bombing. And, <laughs> like, it, 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 and they feel the same way about me too. I have no illusions about this, but like there is no greater joy in the world than knowing they're funny. Because watching somebody who's not funny, it just feels sad after a while. Because it's yeah. like, I know how much this means to me, and it's painful for me to watch that. I don't want to see that. But if I know you're funny and you're eating shit, there is, it, it's going to tickle me to no end. <laughs> like, <laughs> Especially, like, have you seen people that you know kill? Like, they constantly kill, and you see them yeah. bomb, and it's just like that confused face for like a half a second where it's just like, oh, this is not good. This is not going to get better. Like. <laughs> Well, the best is when they do, you know, like if you have like a 10 minute set and you see somebody who's always killing and then about two minutes in, they're not killing. And then you, you know what their best joke is and they pull out the best joke and that doesn't work. So then they know, okay, I got eight minutes of this shit. That'll be the eight funniest minutes I have for like the next six months. <laughs> you ever slip up and laugh out loud though? Oh yeah. Oh, well, I haven't slipped up. I have laughed audibly in the back of the theater where my friends get here. Like I'm not good at poker facing that shit. Like, and they've laughed at me. I mean, I have had times where there was no laughter at my jokes, except my best friend in the back of the, <laughs> the comedy club or the room dying laughing and just having a soundtrack to my failure. <laughs> I like that soundtrack to my failure. That's, that's good. That's a good metaphor. Uh, sorry, guys, we'll get back to the movie. Um, the, the key thing that I think that really puts this movie uh, well isn't the action, I don't believe. It's not the gore. It's really the humor. And we spoke about that just a few seconds yes. ago. But, like, why do you think the humor is so important in this film? Um, because they don't try to just... So, you know, you know what script doctors are, right? Um, and for people who don't know, there's a lot of movies where they'll write a movie and then they'll have like comedians or somebody that's good at humor writing come in to kind of punch up the script to just throw a line here or there. There's a lot of comedies and Suicide Squad 1 felt so much like this. It felt like they wrote kind of a serious script and they had somebody come in and just pepper jokes in there. The jokes in this movie say something about the character. They don't feel, the jokes that fit each character don't feel like they could have been, so, like 
the jokes that Polka Dot Man has, the funny moments of Polka Dot Man could not be, have, be done by Bloodsport. The funny moments with Peacemaker could not be done by Harley Quinn or vice versa. Like they're very, very specific to the personalities and to the characters. Um, and, you know, you have to give a shit about the characters. Um, that's, I mean, that's the number one thing. I'm, I've told you, you know, as well as I do, we've seen comics before where we think they're pretty funny. And then once we get to know them and like get to like them as people, then, be, then it makes their stuff even funnier. And like, that's the key to like a good comedy is you have to like, like the characters first and then their situations endear themselves to you. Um, I think James Gunn gets that instinctively. He doesn't think, you know, listen, we could totally just go like, fuck you. And that's, you know, kind of funny on its own. But like, if we know this one character is kind of antagonistic and this one character is like, I'm not dealing with this, that makes it so much better. Um, that's the first thing with it. And then I also think like James Gunn just gets that it's not just about landing a joke, but having a joke that actually pushes the story along and adds something to the situation. Nice, nice, nice. Um, the pacing. This movie is paced yeah. well. It's two hours. It's over yeah. two hours, guys. But I promise you, it does not feel like two hours. Uh, please stay for the post-credit scenes, of course. But I guarantee you guys, it's not. It does not ever feel like a two-hour movie. Um, what if any scene? If any, is there any scene that you would take out? Actually, no. And it's um, it's so remarkable you mentioned the pacing because my biggest issue uh, that I have with the first Suicide Squad, there were times that the pacing would be very frenetic and the editing would be very quick chopped. And then there would be long takes where like nothing kind of occurred. So it felt like it kept starting, stopping, starting, stopping, and there was no flow to the pacing whatsoever. And I'm a huge superhero movie fan. I'm a nerd and I love comics. I love superhero movies. Pacing is often one, if, if I have any issues with a superhero movie, it's like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a slight pacing issue about halfway through. Not a major one, but there's a slight one. Um, even like, uh, you know, Endgame and Infinity War are masterful movies. They're amazing. But if I had to have any objections, there's some slight pacing issues in Endgame, just when they're going back in time and things like that. Um, this movie, honestly, they keep the pace energetic and it doesn't feel like it's rushed. Feels like everything's earned, but it feels like everything is moving forward. Nice, nice. I, I totally agree. It's not another cut out. This, this is just, they, and the weird part is, and I hate to keep going, going back to it, but like, yeah, they, you, it's just weird looking at, it's kind of like what we said by Christopher Nolan. We have movies to look back on. We have Bat Nipples and then we have Suicide Squad, the 2018 one. And it's just like, this is what we could, this is what we had. And this is just way better. So. Yeah. 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 Well, they looked at superhero movies previously as a marketing tool and that was it. You know, I mean, the famous story is, is that they included Bane to sell toys and they did, you know, Bane and Batman and Robin is still the most egregious thing in that movie. And there's a lot that can be complained about, but the fact that they made this like cunning guy that defeated Batman at his own game, like a lumbering idiot that was like a sidekick is just blasphemous. Um, but it was all marketing. And then the best thing that could have ever happened was that all these like properties kind of had diminishing returns because then they let directors like Christopher Nolan, like the first, the Batman Begins has a big budget, 
but it does not have as huge of a budget as you think it would. I think they made it for like 80, 90 million. Um, but having that stripped down approach made it a so much better movie. And you had a whole generation of filmmakers and number one actually liked the source material. You know, like Joel Schumacher didn't read comics. Tim Burton bragged about not reading comics. Like, and I still think his two Batman movies hold up as like fun Tim Burton movies. They're not very good Batman movies. Um, but you have people that, they got that the reason you want to adapt comics is because the source material was good. You didn't have to put it in a movie and figure out how to make it good. If you had somewhat of the spirit of the comic, it's going to be good. Yeah. Wow, that makes sense. Now, Tim Burton never read comics. That makes sense. If I never read yeah. comics, I would get Mr. Mom too. That makes sense. Well, and now you even have people that are fans of the comic that are doing different things, but it still is amazing. I was 100% and I will take responsibility and I'll admit I was wrong in this. I was 100% against them doing a Watchmen TV series because I just hold that comic so near dear my heart. And then I watched the first episode and I'm like, all right, fuck me. This is amazing. <laughs> like, this is one of the best shows I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it still like, got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was incredible. It kept the spirit of the comic. It was completely different in tone while still being completely the same in tone. And it had a similar like depth to it. Um, but you have people doing creative things like that now where I'm like, I'm realizing I was wrong and like, let's just let them kind of play in the sandbox, see what they come up with. And sometimes you're going to come up with really cool stuff like the new Suicide Squad. Exactly. Um, best way to put it, man. Um, not a spoiler, guys, but I just want to get Mike's opinion on this. Um, I mean, Michael, I apologize. Um, yeah, it's all good. Either one works. Okay. Okay. Are you scared of rats now? Not spoiling anything, but are you scared of rats at all? I live in New York City. We uh, <laughs> that, that would. <laughs> yeah. um, well, the rat problem is not as bad as it used to be in New York, like by any means. Um, I don't know if you know this, like in front of the Plaza Hotel, they used to have people that would uh, pick you up in horse and carriage sometimes if you wanted to travel around the city. But the way they would get the horse and carriage to stop there is they would throw feed in front of the Plaza Hotel. And if you went out into the Plaza Hotel at night, it looked like the ground was moving because there were so many rats, like in front of like one of the nicest hotels in New York. So they quickly realized, oh, we got to stop doing that. That might be a bad look after a while in this city that never sleeps. Um, so yeah, the rats used to be insane in New York, but you still see enough that I'm not like, I don't love rats, but I'm not freaked out by them. Um, rats are like water bugs in Charleston? Very similar, yeah. In fact, here's the funny thing. If you see a roach, you know, if you see a roach in Charleston, it doesn't mean you live in a pigsty. You're gonna have roaches no matter what. If you see a roach in New York City, it usually means there's something wrong with your apartment. But like, yeah. if a rat shows up in your apartment, it, you know, you don't want it there, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Everybody's had to deal with it at some point or another. So it's almost like the reverse of what palmetto bugs are. Okay. Um, well, one through 10, man, what would you give this movie? I would probably give it a nine. And, you know, it takes a lot for me to give a 10. The only reason I would maybe give it a nine, and it's just, you know, very, very minor complaints. Um, the villain approach, I mean, I love the villain in the movie, like, and I love the way they approach the villain, but the there it's kind of villain list for a long stretch of it and then they kind of like have a side thing so that i 
take a little bit off. Um, other than that, I mean, James Gunn got to make the movie he wanted to make, and I think the studio was wise to let him do it. You know, and I I go see every single superhero movie just because I want to support the genre because I love superhero movies and I'm a comic book fan. I saw Catwoman in theater. That's a level of commitment that few people will have, and I I regret it. <laughs> uh, your parents made you go, or you just went? I went because I'm like, even if this, my attitude is always, even if the movie sucks, if these make money, they'll continue making more. And the more they make, the more kind of like, they'll take a risk on like obscure characters. Um, you know, I mean, I love, I love Why the Last Man. They're making that into a TV show now. I think that comic's incredible. So like, um, I don't know that that would have been able to be done if you didn't have some of these other marquee movies show that there was like equity in that. Um, I like what they've done with the boys. I actually think the boys yeah. is a better show than I think the comic was. Yes. And I like the comic, but they, the comic didn't have any heart to it the way the show does. Yeah. Amazon um, prime is the right place for that show. If it was anywhere yeah. else, it wouldn't be as good. Yeah. Yeah. It would be completely watered down. And I, I think why the last man being on Hulu is going to help it too. Um, so I'm, I try to support any kind of superhero project that comes out. I have to say, this is probably the best superhero movie I've seen this year. Um, I enjoyed Black Widow. I liked it for what it was, um, had, but it had some problems and it had some definitely some repetition to things. Um, this was top notch. This is probably my favorite DC movie. Um, I think it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Black Widow, I just got tired. I'm like, we know she's not going to die. Stop doing these scenes. So she's not going to die. We know what she. We know it already. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I thought uh, Florence Pugh was great. I thought David Harbour was great. Um, you know, Scarlett Scarlet Johansson is a great actress. I'm not criticizing her, but the, those two I thought were the key parts of the movie. The storyline, um, you know, if you asked me based on the trailer to write what I thought a general plot of the movie would be, it wouldn't have been that far off from the plot that we got. And it wasn't bad, but it was like not anything new i guess the best way to put it yes um i would also give this movie a nine i had the same problem you did uh they just kept uh no spoilers guy they just kept uh they weren't they couldn't give you a definite villain they just kept uh you'll see when you guys see the movie you'll see what i'm saying they just kept yeah. uh shuffling the deck at certain points um do you believe that this movie becomes a part of pop culture i think so um I think number one, anytime you have these group of characters, you never know who people are going to connect to. I think those team movies that work always, always resonate with people a little bit more. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, do you know anybody who doesn't go crazy over that movie now? Like, and those are the last characters anybody would expect, but people connect to each character differently. Um, I read a great article where they were talking about how Drax, uh, autistic children love Drax because Drax doesn't understand metaphors. And autistic children like felt like, oh, well, I have a superhero that I can identify with. And I'm like, that's really fucking cool, man. Because I don't think that was intended, but like you were able to have this kind of character quirk that a whole group of people feel like, hey, I'm being represented here by this kind of, you know, weird but cool character. Um, and that team aesthetic, I can tell you right now, there's going to be fans of like Polka Dot Man. <laughs> there's going to be fans of like characters that you wouldn't think are like the marquee characters that are just going to connect to that character for some reason. And that's where a lot of these team movies, when they do them correctly, can be so much fun. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I have one last question for you, buddy. 
how many people do you think are going to go as polka dot man this uh halloween Ooh, i would say i mean the number one is going to be a number of hot girls dressing as harley quinn because <laughs> that's happened since suicide squad uh and more power to him. I'm not criticizing it. Um, I think you're going to get a couple of people going for Polka Dot Man. I think there's a lot of people that are just going to kind of connect to that character and just it's such a fun, goofy character. I think it's going to connect. I think you're probably going to have a couple of people that are going to go in like, you know, group costumes. And that'll be fun to see, too. Nice. Nice. Uh, man, thank you so much for coming on to the movie review. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say to your fans? And please tell people where they can follow you. You can follow me at Clayton Comedy on uh, Instagram or on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook if you want to check me there. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say, man. All right, man. Thank you again. Uh, thank you guys for watching and have an amazing day.